having a beer after a hard day's work once meant putting up with a six o'clock swill. The swill is not only unpleasant, it's also dangerous. Those who like beer, and surprisingly it's still legal to like it. South Australia joins all other states in abandoning the six o'clock swill. You're tuned to the Six O'Clock Swill with Tim Blair, James Morrow and me, Nick Cater. The podcast Australians turn to for fair-minded, objective and woke-free coverage of events at home and abroad. Tonight, we reach the end of round one in the federal election campaign. We peel Australia's alternative Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, off the canvas and help him limp back to his corner. Greens leader Adam Bant delivers his economic vision for Australia, a country of wind turbines, electric cars and rainbow festivals where billionaires get fleeced and the government pays for everything. Peter Fitzsimons' plans to sack the Queen suffer another setback as Labour drops its proposed referendum to turn Australia into a republic. Elon Musk's bid to democratise Twitter sends the lovies scurrying for the cancel button. And New York Mayor Eric Adams brings back the biffo on the streets and subways of the city. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. This time a week ago, the smart people in the Canberra Press Gallery were trying to persuade us that the federal election was a mere formality and that a Labour government was uh, just weeks away. They were counting, of course, on Anthony Albanese being fight-ready, which it uh, turned out he isn't. Tim, incredible as this suggestion may seem, could the press gallery have got it wrong? Election campaigns change things, don't they? Everything suddenly shifted. Uh, Suddenly, instead of landing any blows on uh, the government, Albanese, day after day after day in the first week, just kept beating himself up. All of his (laughs) mistakes, and they're not inconsequential, every single one of them was inflicted by elbow upon Mm. elbow, at which point... Uh, the Prime Minister, the Treasurer, everyone just steps back and says, keep going, son. Uh, the first one probably set the tone for the week, his first mistake, when he was asked about uh, Australia's unemployment rate. Now, that's a pretty essential measure of how Australia's going. It's basically the main big one. Particularly if you're a Labour a Labour leader and your big stick is... We will get workers into jobs. And he was out by the equivalent of about 190,000 Australians, which is not a small mistake. And he tried to, he tried to sort of, he tried to turn a negative into a positive by claiming that um, he'd made a mistake and that he was honest enough to admit he'd made a mistake. He's not the sort of guy who's going to run away from a mistake. But the thing is, it wasn't a mistake. He didn't know the damn number. That's not a mistake. That's not knowing an essential part of your brief. So, you know, good luck trying trying that line again, Albert. And then, of course, he just kept doing it over and over again. He kept stuffing up. There was, there was, it wasn't just not knowing the numbers. You know, there was an incident on Wednesday. So Wednesday, he goes out. So the unemployment rate thing happens on Monday. On, by Wednesday, they're like, okay, we got to fix this. So we're going to roll out a health policy. We're going to be, you know, get this election back onto the ground where labor are, you know, we're the more caring people. We'll always take care of your boo-boos and owies and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so then they go and the first thing they do is they reheat an old campaign pledge from previous campaigns about these things called urgent care centers, which are like emergency rooms, kind of, but they're not attached to a hospital, Right. 
They're pop. They're pop up emergency. They're pop up emergency rooms. But if you know, they say, "Oh, we got to get you in surgery." It's like still, well, mm. you're out of luck. Son, we got to get you to the hospital. So yeah. you know, so you got that. Um, the costings were all out on that. The costings turn out to have been a complete mess. But from a media point of view, which is where I'm coming at this from, it's fascinating because he had started out the morning and his, you know, his minders, his team said, okay, he's going to make the announcement and, you know, you can record him making the announcement um, and then he's not going to take any questions. And then everybody on the bus um, traveling with him said, whoa, 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 this is not how it works, you know? Yeah. You're on the campaign trail. You're making a policy announcement. Especially because, James, just two days earlier, he'd said, I don't run away from press conferences. I will take yeah. every question. Then guess what happens? He goes, he starts taking questions. The very first question slams him for basically exaggerating his resume and saying, oh, well, you know, I was an economic advisor to this government that I completely disagreed with. The Hawke government, yeah. The Hawke government, you know, serving to remind everybody just how long this guy has been kicking around in politics. But um, and then and then uh, he starts to get really snippy. And then after about seven minutes, he calls last question. And then at eight minutes, um, he pulls stumps and just leaves. And the journalists are standing there going, "Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Did you say that you were going to?" Um Answer every question, and they're like, "Oh well, no, you know that wasn't for every press conference." So, you know, <laughs> anyway, that was a non-core promise. It was, it it was wasn't a non-core promise. promise. Yeah. But um, you, you're you're right, though, Tim, in your analysis, uh, he he he's beating up on himself, isn't he? Every wound is self-inflicted. He he's a Justin Smollett of Australian politics, isn't he? <laughs> really. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's hired a couple of Nigerians in the form of himself, himself yeah. to, um, himself to uh, you know, this is ScoMo country, said the attackers, yeah. waving an NRL flag as they beat him to the ground during his midnight search <laughs> for a sandwich. <laughs> now, look, the, the thing, though, with um, with uh, the way the press responded, it is unusual, I think, that uh, he got them offside very early, um, given, given that... Uh, there's been a kind of immediate consensus, I think, James, that, you know, Albo was the coming man and uh, was just going to happen. I mean, there was, but, you know, the thing that had been whispered um, about Albanese yeah. for a long time before he became, um, you know, before the campaign started was, you know, this is a guy who actually isn't going to hold up very well to scrutiny. And this is what, you know, all of my um, contacts in the government and in the prime minister's campaign since they said, he, you know, he's going to fall under questioning um, and he's not across his brief. And we saw elements of this yeah. during the whole controversy over Kimberly Kitching and what happened to her and allegations of bullying in the Labour Party and all that and the way he handled that, which was not to. Um, and then, you know, he goes on to have the um, have the, um, the campaign here now. And, you know, at the first questions, he just keeps falling and blundering. He's a he's a fumble fingers. He's a butter-handed uh, mountain of errors. Well, I mean, so so he's got now. You know, it's Easter weekend now. So he's uh, you know when we're talking yeah. here, he's got basically until Monday, Tuesday, to get his act together because. Well, what's it wasn't uh, Richo during the week after three days of campaigning? Graham Richardson, who's seen more elections than the three of us can uh, can count, he said that um, he's buggered. Yeah, he's too tired to do it. Albo yeah. was buggered. He's uh, need a, needs a rest. He's exhausted. That was after three days. He said he needs a couple of days off. Three days on, two days off. It's like the wildest airbit claim ever made by a, a militant union. Yeah. And if that's your prep to be the Prime Minister, you can't manage three mistake-free days? Just three? 
I mean, even I can do that, more or less, sometimes. The, the interesting thing, though, is that people are starting to now, I think, hang the sort of the Biden mantle around his neck. Not saying that he's got dementia or something like that, but just simply that, you know, he's accident-prone, um, gaff-prone, and that, you know, his staff always has to clean up after him, like they did uh, on Thursday when he's talking yeah. about um, borders and such. And you know, God, he, I hope his, hope his son doesn't have any contracts in the Ukraine. He made another suspicious. mistake there. Yeah. And, you know, so they're, they're constantly playing this sort of cleanup um, over... Yeah all of these things. And so people are saying, well, hang on, is this the guy who's like Biden? You know, he seems like the affable, nice, normal guy. You know, we on the left yeah. all hate Morris and we on the left hated Trump. So we just put the normal, boring guy who's been plodding around politics forever into the top job and just tell everything goes back to normal. Well, you know what? That hasn't happened in America because, I mean, there's a lot of issues there. I mean, not the least of which being, uh, you know, the real cognitive issues, the real cognitive issues that, um, um, you know, Joe Biden clearly seems to be having, but also saying that, basically his um, campaign is you know, over. He just isn't getting it done. But I, I always take the the view the view that whatever the Cambridge Press Gallery thinks in unison is always wrong. What 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 the majority of the press gallery, not all of us, Dan, not all of us. <laughs> well, I don't count you as Cambridge Press Gallery, James. I count you more as a FIFO worker. You know, you fly in, you fly out. Well, I, yeah, I have a Dido worker. I drive in, drive out. You know. Not the way you drive. That's very much FIFO. You, you have a suitable time to recover in the real world. And, yes. You know, yeah. Pop off for a bacon and egg roll, you know, at the Trapper's Bakery, mix with a bit of real life. You're not stuck in that place forever, but don't write him off. You know, yeah. There is a, there is a, it, it's Easter weekend after all. A time of revival. On Friday, he was crucified, dead and buried, and on the third day, he rose again. Well, maybe. I don't know how religious Albanese is. I suspect he doesn't. I think he was in church today, wasn't he? He was in church on Good Friday. Yeah, he right? was. But I mean, but if we if we want to take the other side of that story, you know, let's remember that Holy Week begins on Palm Sunday when Jesus is welcomed um, by cheering and adoring crowds into Jerusalem, and then suddenly, within days, everything turns and the politics turns against him, and he's a goner. And that's um, that's you know, <laughs> that's a story of politics. As well. Well, with which party, James, would you be more likely to associate the character of Judas? Oh well, um, to be, be more a question of which faction, you know, would you would you be uh, be associating with him with? Didn't 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 one of the um, Mean Girls faction? Didn't they? Wasn't that the person who gave him up on uh, whether his uh, clinic clinic plan had been costed? Well, yeah, I mean, it's like like how much are, how much are these miracles going to cost? You know what? You know the you know, miracles aren't free. What are the, mm. what are the miracles going to cost? Um, you know, because there was that whole Mean Girls in the Sanhedrin, um, and we know that Pilate was doing all he could to keep a lid on them. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a long chapter in Very the Bible. Chapter, the yeah. Mean Girls, the Book of Meanness. Yeah. It's Old Testament, obviously. Now we also have we have other issues involving Albo. What would they be, Tim? This follows a glorious pattern. Scholars of Peter Fitzsimons, myself included, mm. have long been aware of his uh, ability to back the wrong horse. He will any cause that Peter Fitzsimons supports will collapse. It, it's almost inevitable, yeah. almost every single time. He, of course, is the chairman of the Australian Republican movement. Labor have announced today that. Um, much, much, very much unlike the previous election, they will not, they have ruled out any kind of advances on the Republic should they be elected. Mm. They've dropped it. 
it's gone. Now, the thing that's really going to wedge the likes of Fitzy and his uh, his fancy elite pals who want a republic is that Labor's said that they're going to try to advance the uh, Indigenous Parliament instead. Ah. So it's, it's, it's an either or. Right. Yes, is this, is this, the, this is the voice to Parliament? The um... That's right. So that's very problematic for your Republican sort of, you know, boosters in their $5 million houses. They can't come out and say, this is terribly unfair, because Labor simply turn around and say, oh, what, you think we, your causes should be put in front of the Indigenous? Uh, There's another problem for them too, Tim, which I don't think you're, you know, registering here, which is a demographic one. If you give, consider the average age of the people who are hanging on to the dreams of the Republic, um, and... Yep. Uh, average life expectancies in Australia, and the fact that that first term of government for Labour, um, if they win, is three years. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know that could be a serious decimation of their ranks, just you know by natural attrition uh, over the coming years. This is a good point. They're not they're not a youth led movement, are they, James? No, they aren't. They're um, they're mostly um, you know old guys propping up the bar at the Bellevue uh, every dismissal day, um, <laughs> talking about that bastard cur. <laughs> Well, that's right. It, it is very much a baby boom and a thing, isn't it? People who lived through that, yeah. you know, a cursed yeah. day, November 11th, 1975. Great day that was. I remember it well. For those who didn't live through that, it's, um, unless you're Troy Brampton, he's the only, how many books has Troy Brampton written about the dismissal now? About 55, I think? 60s. I don't know. Yeah. I've dismissed most of them. He's a sort of dismissal obsessive but that's really where the republican movement is i mean i think the rest of australia isn't too bothered about it if it ain't broke don't fix it isn't that the james you're a, like me you're an immigrant to this country i am i am what uh, i am what um what uh, anthony albanese uh said about christina Keneally, um a great migrant success story <laughs> speaking about fly in fly out if I may say so, I think you're a better migrant success story than Christina Keneally, but that may just be my personal view. Well, thanks, thanks. You, well you are... yeah, he's he's not he's not draining any taxes. Well, that's true. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's got a net lead on it there. But uh, but uh, but it is interesting though, you know, just to get on to Keneally, you know, her campaign in um in Fowler uh, in Southwest Sydney, you know, she's been parachuted in there. She had been living in the leafy uh, ideal of Scotland Island on the Hawkesbury River, you know. Very similar demographics. Was sent out. 40 kilometers west uh, to go contest this, you know, incredibly ethnically diverse seat, um, passing mm. over uh, some very um, promising young uh, and diverse labor candidates uh, for, for, for this for this role, yes. um, getting a lot of noses out of joint um, to so that you can get into the lower house for what purposes God knows what. Um, but this this um, this campaign is not going as well for her uh, as 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 she thought. And this week in the Telegraph, we had reports that she had been going to you know Sunday Mass and Palm Sunday and everything to you know show her solidarity with the very Catholic Vietnamese community uh, out there. Um, you know when. Two or three years ago, she was on Q and A talking about how awful and illegitimate and terrible um, and bankrupt mm. the Catholic Church was. So you know, it, it is as we say, it is Easter. It is the time of um, renewal and uh, renovation of faith and so on. So again, I'm happy to credit her. Um, but also, James, didn't she import a rare Scotland Island strain of the coronavirus to the seat of Fowler? She's been holed up now for a week. I, I, that's right. Yeah, no, that's right. I had heard that. Um, so she has been isolating. Um, so, yeah, and actually, don't underestimate the role that corona 
could play in this election. Because remember, Morrison had it. The prime minister had it a month or two ago, right? Yeah. Anthony Albanese still hasn't had it. To get onto the Labour bus, you have to be, for, for the press, you have to be triple vaccinated and you have to wear an N95 mask. What? It's, they are so paranoid. And you have to take rat tests like every other day or something like that. Jeez, uh, a rat test in Labour would turn up a few people, wouldn't <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I think what worries me most about Albanese uh, slipping up, should we say, is that it makes the possibility of a minority Labour government in partnership with the Greens all the more likely. Um, Adam Bant was quite cocky about this on Wednesday, wasn't he? He seemed to think this was a pretty much a done deal. Look, there's a, there's a landing zone of about, you know, if there's a swing away from the government towards Labour of about two to two and a half percent overall, you know, if, if it lands in that window, which it conceivably yeah. could, you get a swing to Labour, but you don't get enough to get them to, to you know, majority government in their own right, because they still need, what, seven seats, um, eight seats to get over the line and be a majority. And remember, they've only been a majority, like, in 2007 for a term, and then before that, it was a long time yeah. before that. You know, they have a hard time doing this. So, Albanese, the politics of this are crazy because Albanese hates the Greens. He contests against the Greens all the time in his seat of Grandler, um, where they are bonkers, nuts, purple-haired lunatics. He can't stand them. They turn up at his office all the time. Yeah. The guy can't even get inside. Yeah, no, so it's... it's um, but then beyond that, though, you know, and we're going to be looking at this in the, uh, the Daily Telegraph on Monday, their politi- policies are completely bonkers. I mean, if you go and you interrogate what they actually say and what they'd want to be negotiating on, you know, the amount of money that would be going out the door is in the hundreds of billions of dollars. It's all right there on their website. They've moved, haven't they? Bant was a was a, a Trotskyist at, at university and he's moved the Greens Party away from, you know, there's no pretense that all they want to do is just to tidy up the planet. Oh, it? God, no. No, no, no. They want revolution. It's a hard left, hard left socialist agenda. Big state, high taxing. It is revolution. It is the international. It is, you know, um, critical race theory. It is white privilege. It is, you know, um, billions and billions of dollars going out the door um, with absolutely no uh, supervision to everything from, you know, arts groups. There's a billion dollars earmarked, I think I was looking through it, a billion dollars earmarked for the Australian Storytellers Fund. There is billions of dollars going out to indigenous <laughs> communities and indigenous people just with absolutely no checks, just here's, here is here is a check, you know. Um, so, and then they just say, oh, well, you know, well, let's pay for it by adding fossil fuel subsidies. Well, sorry, what? What are you even talking about? You know, it's your renewables, your beloved renewables that yeah. are, you know, the ones that are subsidized to kingdom come. We are nothing but fair and balanced on this program, as you know, on this podcast. So, It'd be wrong of us to accuse the Greens of having no plans to cut spending whatsoever. I noticed that they've pledged to reduce defence spending to 1.5% of GDP by buying fewer guns and tanks, they say. And they also promised to get rid of US bases on Australian soil and renegotiate the ANZUS agreement to focus on making us better global citizens. Uh, Let me quote from their their document because this really does deserve to be listened to it's time to stop handing public money to corporate weapons makers 
refocus our defence forces on keeping people safe from the climate crisis and build cooperative relationships with our friends and neighbours. Good luck with that one, I say. I mean, <laughs> timing's everything, isn't it? I would have thought it was quite the time to be coming out with a policy like that. Yeah, didn't we have a recent survey, Nick, that uh, showed that of all of supporters of all the major parties, and for the sake of argument, we'll include the Greens, uh, of all the supporters of the parties, Greens voters were the least likely to stand and fight if Australia was to be invaded. So what do they need right. weapons for? They've they've preemptively surrendered. They're already offshore, you know, hiding in Monaco, riding out World War Two. You know, punk ass freaks. Sorry, James, you're going to continue. No, I just was going to say that you know, Greg Sheridan had another great point in the Australian the other day. He said, you know, they're they're predicating this on the idea that our defending ourselves is a provocation to China. <laughs> These people are stupid. Yeah, that's about the, you know, the, the only reaction there is is to, to laugh and then just go... What the? What the, yeah. Oh, man. Look, um, just on people of a, uh, a different political persuasion, perhaps, than uh, some of our listeners, is uh, that a chap on Twitter, of, of which we'll speak more yes. shortly... He's um he works at the John Curtin Research oh, Centre. Yeah. His name is Kos Samaras. Oh, he had an interesting thing to say on Twitter today. He's uh he's like us. He's he's watching the election campaign, and he wrote. I think it was uh, on Friday morning. Morrison's campaign has clearly made a decision. They have stopped trying to appease their left flank, anti-ICAC boat people, LGTBI uh, rights narrative, now aimed at traditional outer suburban and regional seats. It's a big move and a gamble. Right. Okay, so it's, it's a big move and a gamble to go after middle Australia. Outer suburban and regional, go after Australian values. But that values. just tells you, but that, doesn't that tell you, I mean, like, and that's the sort of thing that Morrison could just pull a real Trump with that and just say, you know, yeah. this is what they think of you. Yeah, exactly. This is what they think of you. If you live in these areas, if you have, you know, these beliefs, you know, which for basically all of human history have been perfectly normal, you know, um, yeah. if you, uh, you know, want these things for your kids, you know, you're scum, you know, and, yeah. and, and it's really revealing. I love it. I love it when things like that happen, when the veil gets lifted, when the, you know, the the, yeah. the, the mask comes off, and, and you see, they they, they they detest Middle Australia. And, I mean, I think, you know, the yeah. thing that I've always said about Morris is the reason why he, you know, he inspires so much, so much, like, hatred. It's out of all proportion, James. And it's all out of all proportion because, you know, because it's like, you know, let's think back to the whole thing with Brittany Higgins and everything like that. I'm going somewhere with this because it was when he talked about how I spoke to Jenny, his wife, about this. You know, yeah. And that infuriated them so much. You can remember how much that infuriated them. And because the whole thing was packaged up, this sort of, you know, suburban, um, you know, married, familial uh, life. And it just drove them absolutely bonkers in their, you know disgusting Newtown and Fitzroy share houses, you know, and, uh, you know, with, you know, with their tofu milk and their, you know, STDs and everything else, they just couldn't understand, um, you know, what's, uh, what's going on in just this sort of, you know, in normal world, which is what, you know, Morris's great advantage is that he is, so, he's, you know, squarely in that sort of normal world and it drives, 
It drives the left, which hates normal people, wants to screw them, and which is what all their policies are about, um, you know, uh, just absolutely mad. It's the same reason that they they didn't like Howard, isn't it? They, you know, it's, it's the it's fact exactly a yeah. suburban man, uh, an ordinary man with ordinary views. Suburban normality. You know, that's why they had to, 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 to attack, you know, Howard. You know, oh, you know, he's just a suburban solicitor. Yeah. You know, they could imagine yeah. nothing worse. It is, it is extraordinary. I mean, that's why they, they hate, you know, Morrison, you know, cooking Sunday night curries for his kids because it's like, oh, that's just, you know, so gauche, you know. It's, it's why isn't he reading them some the transgressive literature? Um, now, speaking of our tofu-munching friends who get upset all the time, huge news late in the week that um, Elon Musk, <laughs> the, uh, the Tesla magnate, and previously a bit of a darling of the left for his, uh, his uh, promotion stuff, of electric yeah. vehicles. Hmm. He, um, he's not their hero anymore no, it's, because um, he's... Um, it's fascinating this. <coughs> he's making this big pitch yeah. to buy Twitter. And it's... Yes, and it's, he believes in free speech, yeah, you see. And, and so that's, that, that scared everybody. And he gave an interview where he said, you know, free speech is when you're allowed to say something that I disagree with and it still goes out there. Yeah. And that's, you know, and it's basically turned the whole left into that whole, do you remember the girl from um, uh, when Trump won and she was on the street going, no! Screaming. You know, they're, they're all doing the, <laughs> the, the lefty, no! Thing. Um, she kept that up. She kept that up for four yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did keep it up for four yeah. years. And uh, wow, I wonder, but, I wonder um, where she is now. I hope her parents are proud. But um, just just some background, though, yeah, um, to people who aren't entirely aware of uh, the the culture that is yeah. Twitter. The Twitter leftists, and that's oh, I don't possibly a majority of the people who are on Twitter for political reasons, uh, have basically cultivated uh, their own perfect paradise. Donald Trump is banned. Yeah. Problematic speech is banned. You know, if you anything. say something like really hateful, like you know, men have you know, men can't have babies, you know, it's yeah, like you're, you're banned. Gone. Yeah, hate speech. Even if you, there's one particular uh, Twitter feed, libs of TikTok. I yes, think, it's great. And yeah, all all she does is um, is run grabs from different leftists, things they've said, things they've put out there. It's basically essentially all that twat is. She's been banned. You know, I think she got reinstated, but it took several days of you know negotiation yeah. with the Twitter gods. And now that Elon Musk is coming coming in with his hostile takeover yeah. bid, leftists see their world collapsing. This carefully cultivated and crafted and yep. curated yep. world suddenly might feature some opposition, as we know. Leftists they don't, don't do that well. Usually, they don't win fights if they're fair. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to read you some responses to uh, the um, Elon Musk's proposal. These are all people who have Twitter's blue checks, which means they're verified important people. So this is um, MSNBC presenter Katie Turr warns viewers about the massive life and globe-altering consequences if Musk buys Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Globe altering. Yeah, things go globe altering. Um, this is a guy called Morton Rand Hendrickson. It's a great Elon name. Elon Musk targets. Yeah, it's, it's uh, he's from Adelaide, I assume. Elon Musk targets Twitter with forty-one billion cash takeover offer. This could mean the end of current moderation or content moderation, and the platform descending into disinformation and far-right extremism. Hang on, can I pull you up here? Like, so please. They, you know, this is the same Twitter. That 
wouldn't allow the New York Post in any way to talk about or even direct message each other about the Hunter Biden laptop. Misinformation, <laughs> misinformation you know, banned. So, okay, here's, uh, here's uh, Matthew Rosga. Rosga. What's Matty got to say? If Elon Musk allows Trump back on Twitter, it will be a death blow for the free world. No! Trump's big lie. <laughs> Trump's big lie will spread like a virus. That's very sensitive to all the millions of people who've been killed by the virus. I'm sure these are very good people, but they they do lack of sense of proportion, don't they? Really? Oh, but they've they've they they're not they're not taking this lying down. Like very much unlike the Greens, they are protecting their turf. And they're and they're they're going to deploy of that's T U R F, not T E R F, which is another another thing altogether. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the thing that I absolutely loved was that the Washington Post did an editorial about this, where they said, "Now this is the Washington Post." So think about this for a second. Yeah, can't can't have billionaires owning things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's absolutely a dark day for free speech if billionaires are allowed unregulated to buy speech platforms. <laughs> it's like hello. Jeff who owns a, just a bit of a reminder about who owns the Washington Post? Yes, yes. Someone, someone with not a small amount of money. Yeah, okay, he, he, is he a, used that, and he used that platform to mount a jihad against Donald Trump. Actually, actually, I mentioned before that um, the Twitter leftists were going to um, defend their territory. I might have been wrong. They might be preparing to um, flee. This is um, this is a tweet from Lauren Weinstein. Elon Musk makes $41 billion cash offer to buy Twitter, presumably to turn it into a hate speech and disinformation playground. <laughs> Sounds great. In line with his sensibilities. Oh, and to get Trump elected again. If Elon succeeds, a mass exodus from Twitter is appropriate. Bye-bye. Let me just say, let me just say response to that. Your terms. Are Your acceptable. terms are acceptable, but it's so funny because you know you remember when conservatives were um, ditching Twitter to go to Getter and Parler and all these different things. They're like, oh yeah, you know, well, you know, it's so you know, free speech doesn't mean that you know, um, uh, you know, platforms can just you know can't, don't have any right to censor. That's only the government that it applies to, and now it's like they've just turned the rules around completely and just you know as they always do, hope we just forget about that, you know. Well, here's another one from uh, Michael Volpe. Elon Musk buying Twitter is the end of the world, basically. He'll amplify every extremist or right-wing Nazi he can find. Um, I'm not seeing that pattern in Elon's corporate or uh, no, social no, behaviour. You know, I've not yeah. seen him amplifying Nazis. It, it'd be hard, it's hard to do to amplify Nazis, it frankly, is, because there's, there are a lot of them. there's not very you many know, of I mean, them. You know, yeah. it, it, it almost, like, there's a funny sort of level of hysteria to, like, almost listening to, you know, one of... You know Vladimir Putin's rants about denazifying Ukraine. You know it's it's yeah. like it's the same it's, level, it's isn't like, it? You're what? You, you who are these Nazis? You know, like like you know, but 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 really, you know, whenever you hear people on the left talk about you know Nazis and all this stuff, you know, they're just a bunch of redditors cosplaying the Greatest Generation. Yes, good call. Here's um here's just a, a voice from the other side of politics. Well, not really. Max Boot is. A nominal conservative who's... He's on the other side of politics. Yeah, he's very much against Trump and has moved that way uh, since the early 2000s. Max Boot writes, I am frightened by the impact on society and politics if Elon Musk acquires Twitter. He seems to believe that on social media, anything goes. For democracy to survive, we need more content moderation, not less. (laughs) Freedom through censorship. 
That's that's yeah, the way yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people of South the people of South Australia must be feeling very proud for just playing their small part in making really Musk a wealthy man that's by right. buying a ninety million dollar battery off him, which oh yeah, 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 yeah. Five minutes, but I think your point at the start, Tim, that he's gone from hero to zero for for the woke left. Uh, you know that he was the hero because he made these wonderful electric cars. I've never driven one of you. I, I very much doubt you have. I drove an early Tesla, and um, a Tesla representative was in the passenger seat. I took it for a bit of a spin around Sydney, and this was some years ago. And the car wasn't particularly refined. Uh, I think it was their first generation model, and um, and I mentioned to the um, the Tesla rep at one point that you could actually smell, you know that strange sort of burny electrical smell that you used to get off, say, Scale Electrics kits and, yeah, yeah. and you know, yeah, yeah, electric yeah, yeah, yeah. model cars? And- oh, yes. Yeah. I remember it well. It was the scent of my youth. A burning oil sort of thing, but only very faint. Yeah. The Tesla smelled like that. I'm not kidding you. It actually smelled like a Scale Electrics car that was, you know, been a bit, got a bit, Warm. Have they got those little brushes at the bottom, like <laughs> no, 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 electric no. cars that pick up the power? You don't need a groove in the road to drive them. And uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, here's uh, here's another more Musk hatred, more Musk madness. This is a uh, Muskrat hate. And this is a David Leavitt, who uh, I don't know where he's from, but he's got the coveted blue Twitter approval mark. If Elon Musk successfully purchases Twitter, purchases Twitter. It could result in World War Three and the destruction of our planet. Like, okay. Easily. How does that happen? Nick, Nick, do we need to draw you a picture? <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, like, he, this is uh, from a guy called Jeff Jarvis, who some decades ago was a friend of mine, was a lovely Jap, uh, was very... Um, yeah, what happened to Jeff Jarvis? Because he's gone completely bonkers, Tim. He was... Uh, Trump broke him. He, um, he, uh, he went big on Hillary and... Uh, and and when Hillary lost, uh, Jeff never never came back. He's still yeah. he's still out there on the spiral arm. But uh, mm-hmm. Jeff writes that uh, today on Twitter, referring to the day of Elon Musk's bid, today on Twitter feels like the last evening in a Berlin nightclub at the twilight of Weimar Germany. I didn't know. I know Jeff's not young, but I didn't realize he'd been around for quite that long. That's an impressive uh, reach. Is he, is he just like what? Is he watching old, you know, um, copies of Cabaret? You know, <laughs> like in in his world view, who's doing the Liza Minnelli dance? You know, like who's kicking up their heels? This is the thing that he keeps coming back to, Tim and Nick. It's that, you know, again, this is cosplay the greatest generation because for them, everything, you know, they're, they're only historical reference on the left where America is the good guy because the rest of it is America is this horrible left yeah you know, it's horrible slavery you know colonialism white people all the evil stuff um, but they've got World War II to hang on to and so they've got this kind of you know vision of you know this sort of saving private Ryan kind of sort of thing yeah you know and so they want to they want in on it because of course you know they don't want to feel bad about themselves but you know they're you know there's a bunch of you know weedy so, so for them all this Trump stuff just gives them a chance to be World War Two LARPers. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, it's cosplay, it's LARPing. It's, it's, I love know. the LARP. The LARP is a great... I didn't even know what LARPers were until I called someone a LARP and they got really offended and uh, explained that it's... Who was that disgruntled Twitter 
customer you mentioned, the one the one who says this is going to start World War Three. Look, he could be right. I mean, I thought World War Three might be started by yeah. you know Russians firing a stray nuclear weapon or China invading Taiwan or any number of things. But look, look at the First yeah. World War. You know, who'd have if you were early August nineteen fourteen, who'd have said? You know, somebody had gone on Twitter and said, yeah. The, the shooting of Archduke Ferdinand is going to start yeah. the next World War. Nobody That's would true. have believed that. We, we would have sat here laughing at them, Tim. Today, the contemporary thing would be somebody blocked Archduke Ferdinand. And, you know... Yeah, like, he, he was unfriended by a rival Archduke somewhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah, unfollowed, unfollowed, yeah. And that no one recovers from that. No. The, the, fatal, the fatal unfollowing, that, and then it just, everything spooled out from there, and, you know, and, you know before you knew it, it was Verdun. The trigger that started the whole thing. Seriously, these people, do they really believe that social media wars, flame wars, they used to be called, do they really believe that those are in any way a sort of an equivalent of an actual ground war, which they wouldn't fight anyway? Because they spend their whole life in this sort of weird virtual world. And by the way, they want to put everybody else into it via this weird, stupid metaverse nonsense. You know. Yeah, but, that's horrible. But, but you know, they, they, they actually like... You know, you're talking about people who are wired a certain way, and maybe this sort of virtual world is probably, you know, better for them than the actual world, you know, where they're still processing their high school trauma of, you know, being their head stuck in a toilet or whatever. Because I really am convinced that especially on the left, so much of their, you know, politics and worldview is just, you know, they're just reliving and playing out high school trauma. Enough about sticking heads in toilets and other elements of Anthony Albanese's campaign platform. But let's move on to some local issues in regard to bad behaviour. Now, I think I'm going to have to get from you, gentlemen, uh, your respective postcodes because uh, in Sydney that that can cause you a lot of problems if you've got the wrong Mm -hmm. postcode. I happen to be a member of a a postcode gang. I'm in the 2256 posse and we we don't mess around. we have we buy off license uh, uh, blood pressure medication and uh, we are fired up. Now, what's occurring as the Sydney Daily Telegraph, my paper is um, our paper, James, has uh, revealed this week in excellent coverage. We've got a phenomenon whereby a young bloke might be getting off a train station. He'll be confronted by other youngsters who will ask what his postcode is, where he lives. If his postcode is not on the good list, the beating begins or potentially stabbings. This is not a positive yeah. development. Now, uh, are you in any rival gangs that I might have to deal with? Because, uh, you know, I'm up for it with the 2256. Well, you know, in, in our postcode here in, um, in the inner west, you know, we're, um, you know, we all, uh, we, uh, we're all, um, we call ourselves the fighting cavoodle owners. And, um, you know. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, um, you're, you're a fierce, you know, you're a fierce. If you don't uh, have the baddest designer dog on the block, uh, you know, you're in real trouble. And, and sometimes, you know, we really, we really toy with the authorities because sometimes we let the dogs off the lead of the park during the only <gasps> hours, and the, you know, could be a complication. You don't danger. care about the rules, you know? man. Yeah, you're just like those those postcode crews, but they're actually complaining that the police have no authority over these kids. They're not frightened of the law, and uh, they're letting dogs out. Who who let them out? The gangs did. Now, Nick, I believe you're in. Um, I think it's the two hundred six money regulars. Is that the? Uh, yeah, they're they're a scary crew. Two hundred six one Irregulars, home of home of Luna Park. 
So you've got the big smile tattooed on your arm. Yeah, we're pretty scary. Yeah. Because this isn't new entirely, Tim. I seem to remember the Bra Boys. Out at Maroubra. Bra Boys, they were the surfing yeah. gang at Maroubra. Yeah. It had nothing to do with women's lingerie, by the way, for anybody who's, you know, maybe new to Sydney. No, no, no. They, they were partial to a bit of women's laundry in their spare time. But anyway, most of their time was surfing. And uh, they tattooed 2035, I think, on their backs. That was the postcode for Maroubra. What happens when you trade up? You know, when you get, get a bit more coin and you move to a nicer area, do you have to, you know, get your tattoo remodeled? Just keep, I mean, if I had a tattoo for every postcode I'd li- I've lived in, I'd need to be um, something gigantic. I'd need an extra body. You know, I don't have enough real estate. Maybe it's like your driver's license. They just put a sticker over it or something. I don't know. Yeah, you've got 30 days to do it when you move. Yeah, yeah. If if anyone sees you, they see you at the wrong... But also, like, here's the other thing. It could be a really good insurance policy. If you have multiple postcodes tattooed on you in various places, then when you're confronted by these gangs and you get an idea of where they're from, you show the appropriate postcode, and they'll be like, oh, you're good to go, you know, cool. But, uh, you know, just don't, don't want to mix up and show them, say, an ankle uh, tattoo instead of your one on your wrist. How would you be if you were, well, like a lot of those people in Annandale, you know, sort of Annan Bant voters, and you, you came out and they said, what's your postcode? You said, I don't have a postcode, I'm a citizen of the world. Stabbing, that's, that's a mandatory stabbing. Yeah, but we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't isolate Sydney from the rest of the world. James, your hometown, a little joint on one of the US coasts called New York City. That's um, you. You were there uh, late last year, was it? Yes, 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 yes. yes. Um, uh, just to catch up a touch of the old COVID. COVID hunting, COVID hunting, and in to New examine. York. And he's hunted it so successfully that uh, he caught it. Yep. Put it up on the wall. But James, uh, you, you noticed a bit of change because um, the city's had some troubles both uh, due to COVID and due to uh, defunding police, for example. What was your view at the time? Well, yeah, so I mean, you, mm. you know, um, like I'll say this, it was, you know, it was actually a bit more normal in December when, when we were there than it was in November 2020 um, when I was there because back then um, all of the shops uh, on Fifth Avenue, and they were all boarded up because the election was happening, and they were worried that yeah. the peaceful, tolerant left um, might um, react in a sort of direct action sort of way. Uh, were there to be a certain victory by one Donald J. Trump, which there wasn't, but anyway, that's a story for another day. Um, so it was nice to see things, you know, back open yes. again, and they've gotten themselves over the coronavirus. But the problem is they've got themselves this new mayor called Eric Adams, who's a moron, and I yeah. thought nobody could be worse than Bill De Blasio, who was his socialist. Um, previous predecessor yep. mayor, but this guy is just as bad. And, you know, so there's been a whole bunch of shootings, murders, the murder rates through the roof, you know, subway crime is... Um, yes. Um, it's really, really just, you know, horribly dangerous. There was this bizarre and terrible shooting on a Brooklyn subway the other day that was done by this guy called Frank James, who it turns out seems to have had an yeah. awful lot of, um, shall we say... Uh, interesting stuff in his social media history. Yes, if he was a lot like a previous Frank James, Jesse's brother, it was a, you know, a white shooty type, he'd be um, a lot more um, a lot more well-known. The, of course, then there were subsequent, uh, I think, three murders. Yeah. No one actually died, incredibly, in uh, in that subway shooting. I, how, I mean, that was just uh, an extraordinary outcome, thank God. But uh, the in the thing, Bronx, is, yeah. we had three deaths, I think, in a day from separate shootings. And... Um, yeah, people are just getting out of there, man. It's uh, and this is, by the way, 
as you'd know better than anyone on this little panel, James. Um, New York murders are seasonal. When the crazy summertime hits and it starts in June, I mean, that's that's son of Sam time. That's all son of Sam sort of territory and uh, summer of fear. That's that's not a place you want to be during summer ordinarily. It gets a bit rank, but uh, there in a mood like this, it's well. No, it's going to no, be man. No. The subway is going to be like Detroit. <laughs> exactly. The population <laughs> is, is going down, isn't it, James? But I see Eric Adams is on the offensive. He put five billboards up mm. in Florida. I this is a great recently, story. Uh, yeah. After in the in the yeah. wake of the so-called "Don't Say Gayville." Uh, trying to get, uh, saying, look, if you, if you want, what, what was that? I'm trying to find the wording of them. Um, come to the ha! city where you can say whatever you want. Ha! Most of the things you'll be saying are things like, please don't shoot, or um, I've got no money. Yeah, well, come say whatever you want, but you can't say it on Twitter. And get pushed in front of a train on the subway and mugged on the way down there. Or... <laughs> but of course, your kids can't say whatever they want in New York because if they're little kids in New York, you're going to say I'm crazy because you have to talk to me. It's cruel. Because Eric Adams has forced children under five to wear masks to school, which is just an insane thing because of, you know, the ongoing lefty terror of the coronavirus. It is going to be a summer to watch, James. Keep an eye on it. He was in trouble this week, yeah. wasn't he, with some because, as I understand it, they didn't put a photo up of the wanted terrorist, do we call him that? The alleged misunderstood soul. Yep. Anyway, the man who responsible for the attack on in, in, uh, the Brooklyn subway yep. station, they didn't put that photo up the for alleged- 24 hours, and it was only, I think, the New York, New York Post that, in the end, went out and got the picture and put it on. Why didn't they put it up? Yeah. Could it be because racial profiling they didn't want anybody to think this guy might not be white as white you know i mean it's it's just interesting because it's you know like you know you think about the way these stories always run you know um the um uh the the kid whose name i've just forgotten now from kenosha carl carl rittenhouse yeah carl rittenhouse you know so of course you know he was turned into this incredible racist murdering monster for shooting two white people he crossed state lines james he crossed state lines across state lines he crossed state lines um you know and we heard about him forever but then when that other guy drove through a christmas parade yes mowing down old women you know mowing down old women you know we heard about that for about 35 seconds um you know and and so there's always you know, the national conversation, and God, there's two words, you know, like those really two of the most depressing words in the English language right up there with new, new <laughs> ABC drama. Um, but, uh, you, know, um, the, uh, you know, it's just yep. which way the narrative Absolutely. runs, you know? It's not a great place to be. Look, uh, we're drawing to the end, chaps. Uh, we, we do need a redemptive ending to this podcast. Come on. Yes, please. Something cheerful. So what... what Something funny that must must have happened in the last seven days that we can amuse our audience with. Well, if you go and you go look for the clip of Joe Biden trying to shake hands with <laughs> a ghost, you know, open air, <laughs> and it looks—I don't know—is it, is it the ghost of corn yeah. pop or something like that? Um, after a speech, that's pretty funny. Yes, but it's also you know he's, he's just playing the type now. It's just embarrassing. Come on, come on, Joe, break, break out yeah. of the act. You give us something new where you vaguely look. Maybe sentient. he's just become like 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 that's just sort of his. I didn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's got one. He's got one. He's a one trick pony. He's got. He's, he's a one trick pony 
And but of course that one trick pony is named dementia. Yes. So <laughs> yes, his tricks are going to become more fascinating as uh, as the term progresses. Yeah, it's coming to something where we got to look for light relief to American politics. But there it is. Yeah. Uh, here we are, election bound. How many weeks, by the way? You know, James, this is your lifeblood, isn't it? Five more weeks. Five more weeks. Meanwhile, you can email us at nick at radiobcc.com. Please keep the feedback coming. And don't forget your bounden duty to give us five stars on your podcast providers. Do it now before you forget and uh, press the bell or press the button to say subscribe. And tell all your friends. And we'll be back next week for another edition of the Six Slots Wheel. Thank you very much to Tim Blair and James Morrow for taking time off from your busy election campaign to join us today. Great to be with you guys. Look forward to doing it again. Well, let's go Albanese. <laughs> See you guys. Every American and LBJ is with Australia all the way. Australia is the best place in the world to bring up a family. But we will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. I want a world in which we send you Marmite, you send us Vegemite. Australia and the UK coming closer together than ever before. How good is Australia? Yeah!